the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're trying to say, oh, yeah, it's business time. Dr. Jeff Rosen, it's business time. Let's talk a little economy. Let's talk briefing.com. How are you, Dr. Jeff? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm okay. Um, not really paying a lot of attention to the markets right now because it, it feels like I'm not getting enough like push forward or push back. So I'm kind of like blasé. Maybe I'm going into my summer mode already. Um, <laughs> how about the economy? What are we seeing here? You know, it's a little worrisome. You know, we had the bad report for GDP the, uh, last week. Uh, the trade okay. data that came out yesterday makes it look like that bad report's going to be even worse than the next revision. Today's productivity numbers were poor. I mean, we had a second consecutive quarter of declining productivity. That hasn't happened since, I think, 2006. So, you know, overall, things aren't progressing ahead, you know, nearly as, as people had thought uh, back in January. Is productivity important? Like, give us a, a, a reason why. Um, the average listener, viewer in the television world, radio world, they, they, don't, they don't really know what productivity even means. Give us why we should care. Well, productivity essentially is a part of the growth rate of GDP. So, GDP is productivity plus the change in the labor force, and that's it. So if you have strong productivity, uh, not labor force, sorry, uh, but working hours. If you have strong productivity, you know, and you have low job growth, you could still have high GDP. If you have high job growth and low productivity, you could have low GDP. So, you know, the two combination factors into how GDP is. What really when you want to look at are labor costs within the productivity uh, report. And that showed that you know, labor costs increased 5%, which was the biggest increase since Q1 2014, which means that businesses are paying more money and getting less out of it than they did in the past. And that's the problem. You know, if a business is looking ahead, you know, they need to manage what their output's going to be. They can't have you know, costs exceeding what their profits are going to be. So looking at what we saw today, you know, declining productivity, higher labor costs tell us that there's a possibility of a transition from the 200,000 plus job growth that we were expecting, you know, for all of 2015 to be more in the line of what we saw in March of, you know, 120 to 130, I mean, or even less than that. 
anything else in the world of the economy that's not depressing? Can you find anything that's positive? Like, let's play wishy-washy here, so to speak. Let's not just be negative. Give me something to to work with. <laughs> it's really difficult right now. And a lot of that uh, with me is that this week is the week that I generally recalibrate my GDP model uh, okay. for the second quarter, for the next quarter. So I look at, you know, all the sectors and I say, okay, how are things looking? What are the underlying trends? What do I expect, you know, for example, retail sales to be for the next three months? What do I expect, uh, you know, shipments of capital goods to be for the next three months? And when you plug in numbers, I mean, it, it just gets depressing. I mean, you, you, if you factor in the, the idea of low job growth, that means you're going to have likely low uh, consumption growth. And the fact that uh, inflation is starting to pick up a little bit, you know, so the nominal numbers are going to make it even worse on the real side, you know, it doesn't give a good positive contribution to GDP. Now, if we look at the trade data that we saw in March, okay, that, that data was influenced by a, uh, the labor strike out in the West Coast. Let's take that out. We're now heading into the second quarter, and it typically takes about six months for a change in the foreign exchange trends to impact trade. And six months okay. ago is right when the dollar started uh, appreciating considerably on real terms against its trade-winning partners. So that tells me that you know imports are going to rise and exports are going to slow in Q1, or sorry, Q2. So to me, trade can be another negative. You, know, you look at the residential sector, uh, we're definitely undersupplied in uh, – new homes, but are the home builders willing to spark a resurgence in construction? You know, it's a little bit unknown. You know, they haven't done it yet. So to say that they're going to absolutely do it now is probably too optimistic. So if we expect similar residential construction growth, that's not a big driver for economic gains in Q2. And then we now have to look at the uh, investment in uh, non-res. You know, right now, the structures sector looks going to be depressed, not necessarily from what we typically think of construction, uh, office buildings or power plants or manufacturing plants and the like. But the BAA, when they calculate their GDP numbers, include mining construction in that structure numbers. And with declining rig counts, there's likely not to be a – big increase in mining construction, you know, there's still excess capacity because they're closing rigs, not necessarily opening up new ones. So even if oil prices rise in the in the near term, I don't expect to see a sudden acceleration in the construction area in that. So that, you know, was likely to be negative. And then we're left with equipment spending. And you know, you could argue that capacity utilization rates are getting close to do, you know, the eighty percent barrier which would likely say that we would see a good increase in equipment spending. You know, if you look at uh, orders of, of non-defense capital goods, you know, they've been, you know, mediocre at best. And we've had a lot of unfilled orders that just haven't been produced. And that has been going on for a few years now. And the question is, is this the quarter that manufacturers are start going to unload those unfilled orders and start producing and get a big bump in equipment spending. It's possible, maybe not. So let's just expect, you know, modest equipment growth. And the last component is inventories. And you had a big increase in inventories in Q1. And generally, that means that you're going to have a decrease in inventories in the following quarter. So if we count a negative inventory number, 
uh, even a modest negative inventory number. My GDP outlook for Q2 is negative right now, and I'm looking at all the, the you know the monthly numbers, seeing what, what you know where am I too pessimistic? Where can some optimism come from? And it is really difficult. You know, I look at these things, and it just doesn't seem to me right now to be on a flying, you know, strong pace. That said, you know, we could get stronger consumption growth. We could get better equipment spending. The impact of mining may not be as, as weak as I expected. The trade deficit may not expand as much as I expect. You know, these are all assumptions being built into the model. We could still see two to three percent GDP growth. I'm just not buying it right now. With that, let's change the topic to, I know you're not a big fan of the ADP survey that came out in general, that it, you don't think it's, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Um, the employment numbers, are we moving in the right direction? Are we at full employment? Because the stories that I'm seeing is that we're not adding as many jobs and it's going to be tough to get improvements on that first Friday of the month per se. And yeah, and when I looked at that productivity number today, and I saw that you know you had two quarters of declining productivity, and you have an unemployment rate, an official unemployment rate of five and a half percent, which is roughly at full employment, you know that says that you can't have much job growth in it itself. But then you have okay. you know the productivity number, and it tells me that you know that ADP number may be correct. Anything else in the world of economics that you're looking at, Dr. Jeff? Yeah, I think we need to see if, uh, you know, look on Friday, see if the March number that we saw was an anomaly. If we get another 250,000 increase in payrolls, I think that, at, uh, you know, I'm, I may be a little bit too pessimistic in where I am right now, and, and things may be better than that. But if we see another 150, you know, or less uh, payroll number, which the ADP report, you know, suggests, you know, it, we could be in a transition of a weakening U.S. economy. Weaker U.S. economy, will that mean that Europe and Asia picks up the slack because of the stronger dollar, or do we kind of snowball into the rest of the world with a slowdown? You know, I think that we would pull everybody else down with us. You know, I, I think that no one is really strong. So, you know, if you look at the, you know, Europe, you look at Asia, there's not much stimulus measure that could happen to pick things up uh, in the developing, in the developed world. You know, developing countries still have a little bit more that they could do. But, um, you know, I look at Europe and I look at the U.S. and, you know, if, if both are pushing down you know, and you got two government areas that are unwilling to expand on a fiscal side and we already know monetary policy is stressed as it is, I don't know where that leaves us. I loved the column that you wrote this week at briefing.com, searching for the one-armed man. And that's probably one of the oldest jokes in business and economy is like, we're looking for a one-armed economist, so he doesn't say, on the other hand. Uh, that's a good pull there with President Truman. So anything else you want to add? we got about 30 seconds. So you're depressing yeah, again, me today. I mean, we, our claims numbers are good. Job numbers should be good. I'm expecting strong numbers. I'm hoping that I'm right. If uh, it comes out to be on the minus side, you know, watch out because that could be a big uh, forebearer of, uh, of bad news coming forward. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Uh, he continues to remind us there's no perfect truths out there. The numbers are showing weakness, and he has no problem saying that. 
that's a tough thing to sometimes like digest and like be good with. It's okay. Uh, we've had six up years in a market because the economy has been pretty much so trending better. Not perfect, but it's trending. Uh, watch the trend change the other way. It happens from time to time. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.